The future is a hefty responsibility and not one that we take lightly. But then taking things lightly has never been what hefty is about. That's why we've created the Hefty Renew program that turns hard to recycle plastics into valuable resources like park benches and building materials. To participate, simply fill up an orange Hefty Renew bag with accepted items, tie it up, and drop it in with your regular recycling. That's it. It's that easy. It's time to rethink recycling with Renew. Particular valued resources may vary by geography. More info available at heftyrenew.com. Welcome to the Measure Success Podcast, where we feature top leaders on how they measure success in their business and life. Now, let's learn from their experiences. Carl J. Cox here, and I'm the host of the Measure Success Podcast, where I talk, uh, talk with top leaders about effective strategies that inspire success. This episode is brought to you by 40 Strategy at 40 Strategy. We provide strategic planning consulting to help organizations realize and achieve their dreams. Terry, basically what this means is we help organizations create strategic plans that actually measure their success. Only 10% of organizations actually accomplish two-thirds of their strategic objectives. And I don't know about you, Terry, but I think that's not so good. Would you agree? I completely agree. So at 40 Strategy, your success is our passion. So that's why organizations call on us to help. Not only do we come up with strategy, but we come up with proven practices that actually work. Harvard Business Review shows if you actually focus on the right key performance indicators, you could triple your success. So if you want to contact us, please reach out at catch, like catching a ball at 40strategy.com, or simply go to our website at 40strategy.com to learn more. And before we talk more about our guest, Terry Sidford, first, I always like to say a shout out to somebody. And this shout out is a big thank you to Sherry Burke. Sherry is the CEO at Vision Platform, and she actually invited me to a global conference that she was speaking at uh, called the Woman in Cloud Conference hosted by Microsoft. It's actually at this particular conference where I actually got to listen to Terry speak as a keynote speaker. She so impressed me. I reached out to her and we've had a number of great conversations, have traded back and forth a lot of different opportunities. And so for that, I want to thank you, Sherry Burke, for, for this uh, for this. Uh, introduction that you've done. So with that, we get to now actually talk about our host, uh, Terry Sidford. Terry is a sought-after motivational TEDx speaker, author, television host, and life coach since 1998. She assisted scores of people and organizations in achieving their dreams, which she believes is her life's purpose. Terry's greatest joy has always been to help others unleash their potential and live to the fullest. Terry spent over half her life acquiring the knowledge and experience to help her guide others. And the acquisition of those experiences on the basis of her book, 100 Hearts, Inspiring Stories from the Woman Who Lived Them, a collection of stories of female courage in the face of adversity. Terry is also a certified passion test facilitator, accredited Pilates instructor, author of two books, and a popular new newsletter that showcases her personal experiences and insights, as well as a regular contributor to a national wellness magazine called The Great Health Guide. Terry was raised in Southern California and has lived in Utah for more than 30 years. She's active in the outdoors, plays tennis, runs, skis, and currently she resides in Park City with her husband, Matthew, and her two sons, Alex and Connor. And with that, Terry, welcome to the Measure Success Podcast. Thank you, Carl. I'm so excited to be here today. We have had, uh, Terry, we were, we were kind of joking beforehand. It's like we had this rescheduled three or four times due to a bunch of different conflicts, but we're finally here. And so, so I'm excited about that. So Terry, tell the audience a little bit more about 
your speaking. I know that's one of the key things that you do. Um, what do you typically speak about and why, why do people seek, seek you so much? Uh, thank you, Carl. I, I talk about how to use courage in your work, in your personal life, to take things to the next level and to go into the unknown where you can create the dreams that you've always wanted that you never even knew was possible. So it's kind of taking courage to do the things you didn't think you could do. And I talk to different organizations and businesses to use courage to be leaders as well. You can be a leader in your whatever role that you are you have or you are, you know, in your personal life or at work. But courage really is a secret ingredient. So that's what I like to talk about. And I talk also about some personal experiences and how I found my own courage. So I can talk about stories of how. I didn't know what that word even meant. And now that I do, I can share it with everyone I know and inspire them to use courage. So you, I, I recently, we had the chance, you, you were speaking at the Association for Strategic Planning where you're a keynote speaker there. And the afterwards, the responses were, were pretty incredible. They were like, um, there was this very touch, like, wow, I, I, this has really helped me to look inside change the way I think based on some story that you had. And one of the most interesting things you said there, which is a little bit counterintuitive because your life is about pushing and challenging and helping others to achieve their dreams. But one of the things you talk about is having the courage to say no. What does that mean? No is really setting your own boundaries in life because no one can set those boundaries for you, but yourself. <laughs> or, or if you don't, then life is going to dictate what direction it goes. And if you really want to um, be really clear, the most important thing is to be really, really clear about what's most important to you, what your values are in business and in your personal life. And that requires saying no. And it's not popular a lot of times, and it's not easy in the beginning. But the more that you say no, the easier it will get. I, I come from personal experience with this. I used to be the yes person. And then I started realizing that life is kind of taking over um, and people were taking over my time and time is precious. And so when you're saying no to something, look at it this way. What are you saying yes to when you say no? When you say no, you're saying yes to something else because it's un it, a lot of people are very uneasy saying no. They feel like it, it sounds bad. It looks bad. or um, and, and a lot of times when you're not used to it, it's not pretty. <laughs> it just kind of comes out and, and it's not tactful. So really practice saying it with grace and, and being tactful, but being very clear about what you want and what you don't want. I hope that's helpful. It, it is. And once again, I think it's, it's once again, it's counterintuitive because there's often this part of, I need to say yes to everything. And, and uh, that is my success. And, and there's often, even some of the authors behind me, they would say, you just going to tackle every single opportunity that you can get and say, yes, yes, yes. But you, you mentioned something really important is that we all only have 24 hours in a day. Mm -hmm. and, 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 and with that, you know, we have to sleep and we, you know, we have to provide for we have to do all these different parts. And, you know, you have family, I have family as well. And, and there are constraints, right? If you want them to function healthy. And, and so having that ability to, to say no is, is absolutely huge. So when when you you're mentioning to this and and you're saying to people you know it's it is okay it's okay to say no 
What is the biggest challenge that people on the other side that you're telling this for the first time, what happens to them when they actually finally do have the courage to, to, to set a boundary? Their life expands. <laughs> they, they feel free. There's a lot of freedom. You feel more in control of your destiny, your time. And you're also aligned more with the things that are important to you. So then you have more energy, you get more excited, you have more passion, you have more joy. Um, so there, you, when you are stepping on your own values or letting other people step on those things or things that are important to you, you start to kind of concave, you know, you kind of um, retract and, and you feel heavy and you don't have as much energy. So it's on the other side of saying no. You expand and you start to feel more joy. You feel more on purpose. And it's actually a little easier once you start getting used to it. Things start to flow. So you shared uh, in, in when you're speaking with the Association of Strategic Planning, um, a really interesting story when you were a young child about how you had to make a tough decision with, I believe it was your sister. Is that correct? Yes. Um, and... You want to share with the audience just a, a kind of a shortened story of how bad things were and how you had to make this a young age, pretty scary decision. Um, tell me a little bit about that and, and you know, share with the audience kind of a, a few minutes about what that was and, and how that really changed the course of your life in the future. Yes. Thank you, Carl. Um, yeah, that was a very um, a life-changing moment for me. I was I think, seven years old and seven or eight. And uh, my mother was an alcoholic and my parents were divorced. We were still living with my mother. I had my brother and sister and I, I never talk about my brother, but that's another story, but he was there. And one night um, things became dangerous and I had an older sister and we both decided that night that we had to leave for our own safety and well-being. And little did I know, we, we walked away in the middle of the night and, and to my father's house. We Back then, we didn't have cell phones and just made a phone call and said, we're walking, so come find us. And I lived with my father you know, ever since. But what I found later on was that there's something internal that I had to survive. And I think we need to pay attention to that, that you're either succumbing to going a different direction of then survival and you become a victim of life circumstances, or you can really dig deep and you can choose survival. And that's where courage comes in. And I felt like that was kind of the first moment that I chose courage and survival. I didn't see that till years later, obviously, but I, I share this story as an example of choosing one thing or the other in life. And and we need to look back and, and acknowledge those moments too. Not, not just like, oh, I survived, no big deal. I mean, I chose to survive. Big difference. Yeah, it's it's um it's interesting. And and, and my and I appreciate you sharing that because that that obviously is a you know very personal story, but how you overcome at a young age, but but that kind of set a whole set of things of of being willing to do some pretty um once again, courageous decisions, right? To, to be able to move through and, and, and get through to a place where you're safer and, and more successful. Uh, I, I had a family um, that we had a fair share of, of keeping things simple, substance abuse. Um, and, you know, you, you have to make it, it's a tough decision when you're there. Do you be a part of it or do you not? 
And, um, and for me, I was very fortunate that, and I got advice from my oldest brother who said, mm-hmm. you know, stay away from it. And, and, and from that, it's funny, that decision I remember making at 12 years old, I have still held till has held too. And, um, and, and it's, it's interesting how the freedom that has provided me by not crossing, um, a barrier, so to speak, right. You know, where, where all of a sudden I could have got myself in a lot of trouble down the road. And, and so it is interesting, these, these impacts and in, in our early part of our childhood, which can have a significant impact to where we are today and, and being able to lead and help others right out. Because if I would have got caught in some of the things that, that perhaps, uh, people I knew back then were in, I may, my course of life could have been completely different, um, as a result of that. Oh, Carl, thank you so for so much for sharing that with me. I didn't know that. And it's really true. I, I could have gone down a different path as well. Mm-hmm. And uh, it's an interesting uh, story to share together because we do have a choice. But sometimes, you know, and, and it wasn't easy. I'm not saying that, oh, it was just smooth sailing after that. Right. Yeah. <laughs> you know, I, I had to learn and, and see that I was strong and that I could keep being courageous. And, and what, what does that mean? Or strong, whatever that is. But, yeah, thanks for sharing that. Yeah, yeah, no, you're welcome. And and as I said, there's a I, I don't don't want to belabor on belabor um, on that, but but it's it's interesting of how you know we have these different parts and and how we can do, and then that continues through our adult life, of course, right? You know, mm-hmm. there's things that we say, oh, it's okay, it's legal, right? Or it's okay to do this, and it's like, so what? Is that really making me a better person and to help the lead and help each other out? And and so I think these are those things, but. But let's let's move on. I'm curious. One of the questions I'm curious with you because you you have done something that I hope to do someday, which is be a TEDx speaker. Um, and you've also written a couple of books, which which uh, I'm in the process of writing my first one. I'm curious, what was more difficult to prepare for, the TEDx spe- uh, presentation, your your or writing a book? <laughs> no one's asked me that before. I um, okay. I always go for my gut instincts on this. I would say that the TEDx talk was was more daunting. And there, here's the reason why. Someone challenged me to, to, to apply for a TEDx talk. And I thought, oh, this is going to take me a, a good year. So I have to find the right venue. They have a certain subject that they want you to, to make sure that you're speaking about. All the speakers are. And I, I don't know if how I'm going to find something that aligns to that. I've never been speaking before, you know, in a big stage. Sure enough, first place I applied, responded. And they wanted, you know, I was in I, the first time that I applied. And four months later, I had four months to prepare my speech and to be, and be on stage speaking to a worldwide audience. It was daunting. It pushed every, everything, every question I had, every vulnerability I had. Um, it probably was the most liberating experience of my life because I got through it. But I had to prepare very quickly. So. That's yeah. my answer. <laughs> oh, great answer. And once again, I appreciate you sharing that. It's, I think, one of the most challenging things, once again, of observing the, 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 the 18-minute restriction, right? I think it's 18 minutes, right? It, you, you basically don't have anything more than that. And, and what you find is you really have to cut out a lot of clutter. And you have yeah. to be so succinct with what you're talking about and really focusing on what's going to really drive. And the other thing they found in research, I believe is why they had that length is because people can pay attention for about 18 minutes. Now forget about the eight second rule and having to look at different things all the time, but, but from a presentation standpoint, they're more likely to stay with it. So it really helps, but, but 
there's so many things that we think that are important from our own selves, but the audience side, I was just listening to somebody yesterday, um, a very well-known author, they did research and this was kind of scary. If I heard this research correctly, they basically were saying that most people only read the first chapter and that's it. Wow. I didn't know that. Yeah. Yeah. This is kind of crazy actually. Like, like uh, basically your first and second chapter. So this person challenged me of a different person. They said, um, Scott said, he said, Hey Carl, what if you just wrote a one chapter book? And I was like, Whoa, you know, that, that sounds like a TEDx spot, you know, TEDx presentation. Um, so anyways, it, it was just kind of interesting to, to hear your thoughts on that. And, and, and thanks for sharing. Um, what was, what was some of the, what surprised you with some of the results from speaking at TEDx? What, how did that change your career in doing what you're doing in doing presentations? Carl, wow. It, it's, it's hard to even put into words what that did for me. First of all, I realized that I love to speak. The excitement that I had seeing the, the response in people's faces from what I was talking about and having people come up to me afterwards and tell me how, how they related what I was saying. And one lady was crying. You know, there's nothing, nothing more rewarding than to know what you're speaking about changes people's lives. And that's what I experienced during my TEDx talk. And I shared stories that I used to hide my entire life. And instead, for the very first time, I stood up on stage and I, I told every story and changed it from a story of shame to a story of courage. Mm. And it was such a relief to just, I felt like I was see-through. I felt like for the first time, you know, they could see all of me. So that, so it really gave me confidence in myself in my subject of what I'm talking about and that I loved speaking. Mm, that's awesome. That is, that is very awesome. <laughs> so you, you do speaking, you do the kind of larger presentations, and then you do, when, when you're working, let's say with a smaller group, and let's say you may, perhaps working with a company or organization, um, what, are, what are the things that you're challenging, let's say in a group setting? Let's say they, they've called you in for a reason, right? They're, they either want more motivation or they want more courage. When you're in those group settings, how do you get people to open up, right? Because that's a big part of what you do, right? Is to, well, you really share a lot, right? In your presentation and in very personal stories uh, that you said were, you felt were shameful in the past. And now you're saying it's a, it's a part of courage. How do you get people who are in these smaller groups to be comfortable, right? To start talking about their lives a little bit and, and to help them overcome these, these uh, things I've been holding them back right from doing great things going forward? I usually start by sharing my own vulnerability. It's, you know, that's a leader. You, you show by example and just kind of showing up in that environment. And of course, everyone is at a different level of, of wanting to share or, or being able to share. So I will include maybe sharing their thoughts or stories in a writing exercise. And Hopefully, um, I can tell them what the benefit is, you know, like getting up on my the TEDx stage and saying, you know, for the very first time, I told my story and look what it impacted me. It impacted all these other people. Uh, people didn't feel alone. And, you know, so I, I look, I tell them what the benefit would be as well to be a little bit more vulnerable, to start showing up. And um, it kind of is a, it kind of starts to build on itself and one person might share and then it just gets easier and easier. And if not, they're perfectly, you know, make sure that they're safe to just, you know, write it out. And even the process of writing it out 
can make a huge impact. That's good insights there. I, I thank you. Thank you for sharing that. Um, all right. So in your, in your business, if you may, uh, you know, presenting, um, maybe I'll just put it that when you, when you're doing a presentation or perhaps doing multiple presentations, how do you measuring success in that? A lot of times by the feedback, if I feel like I'm getting some good feedback and, and that that has impacted, they've listened, they've took one takeaway, <laughs> even one thing that made a difference, then I feel like that's a success. If I feel like I am prepared, that I've done my homework and um, I showed up fully mm. and I know that I did my best, that that's another sign of success. Even if even if the impact wasn't as great as I wanted it to be, um, if I know that I really did my best and I'm the only one that would know that, then I, I feel that's a measure of success. But of course, I want someone to have something that they took away from anything that I, I, I said that day. And one, one of the things, um, I appreciate you, you talking about that. It, it, what's interesting about the metrics, that we, we got to be careful with how we're measuring things, right? And mm -hmm. here I am on this whole podcast is measuring success and, and it's, broadly in that terms because there are metrics and sometimes there's qualitative right successes but there's also the concept of what's called vanity metrics and vanity metrics can be well how many people are going to my website or how many people are liking me on facebook or whatever that might be right mm -hmm. well if that doesn't actually create real change it doesn't matter right the, the goal what we're hoping at the end of the day is it plants a real seed so if it ends up being one person that audience, and then they end up becoming, you know, so, you know curing cancer or, or having, you know, reconciliation with their family or leading a, a company organization as a result of that presentation, even if it's just one out of 10,000 people are listening, can't we say that's still a value, right? You know, yeah. on these qualitative type things. And so I think it's, it's interesting. I appreciate because what I like what you said there is the things that you can control, which is preparing and showing up, those are the things you can control. Those are the leading indicators that you're trying to do to make sure you provide a great presentation. And then, and then we hope, right, is that it, the people are listening on the other side, right? That, that somebody on this side, one, if not many, ideally all, right? That, that never happens. You know, I mean, that every single person is going to be, the lives going to be changed, but that we can impact the most amount of people in that presentation. So um, thank you for sharing that. I think that's, that's really important. So now we're going to flip over. You know, it was interesting with you as a lot of the stuff is business and personal, right? They're very intertwined. Um, but, you know, it's not easy, right, to go and speak and, and be in front of people and, and to travel around and being away from your family. Um, so how, what do you do on a personal level to help keep up your energy? Oh, oh good. Good question. I have a routine that I try to stick to kind of the, like the basic routine that I know is a foundation for me. And that is, you know, getting up at a certain time, getting enough sleep, first of all, eating well, exercising, and then meditating or, just, you know, even reading a book in the morning, something that just quiets my mind. I get into present time and I'm more connected and that helps my energy greatly, all of those things. And then I look and see where I might be out of balance. I look, I know what balance looks like for me. If I, and I have a wheel, you know, I know that where there's certain pieces of my 
of my life that I need to have intact? Have I not spent enough time with my family? You know, have I not exercised? Different things you look at and you think, you know, I I need to put more attention in that area. So I'm, I'm so maybe this week I have not been meditating or reading a book or whatever it is you do to quiet your mind and feel connected kind of more to your source or your spirit, which is important for me, then I'll put more time in that direction. Mm. So that's, it's a daily thing, just kind of a quick review. And I think when you set your day off that way, then you have um, more success in making better decisions (laughs) throughout the day. Great. So how I'm curious from a, from a length of time, not that it's important, but just, just to help our audience members, what is a typical day of you kind of preparing yourself to get ready for everything else? Is it, is it a five minute? Is it 10 minutes? Is it, a, is it an hour and a half? What is, what is it typically range in time for you of your commitment you're making to help make sure you're ready to go each day? It's about an hour. I'd say minimum, minimum mm-hmm. an hour. And that's just waking up, looking at my, you know, to-do list, where am I, what's happening this week, today, tomorrow. And, you know, it's just quiet time. I'd say about an hour, but there's times I don't have an hour. So I look at what's, what would be the most important thing to make sure I understand, you know, my list of things to do and my tasks, or is it just being quiet for 10 minutes? Mm. And, and I usually kind of just check in with myself and say, what would be the most impactful for me today to do to start my day off? Right. Well, that, that is a gift that you have of the, of the, uh, or, or I should say skill that you've developed on the meditation side of being able to stay. I, I have about an hour or two, an hour and a half process, depending on how long I get ready each, you know, uh, in time I have available. And like if I have a flight at early in the morning and, you know, some of these things just get shot. So how do you, how do you change some of that? But that, that is what it is. But um, the, being able to have that focus to just shut your mind down. Right. And, and, and try not to let all the thoughts to try to relax. I think that is a, uh, a an awesome uh, skill that you help develop to help relax you. But I, as you said, that's just one of many things that you're doing right along the, along the day to help get you, get you motivated. Um, awesome. That is, uh, and, and you do other stuff. So how often, do you try to like exercise uh, weekly? Do you have like a, you, you mentioned you do tennis and you run and you ski, you know, do, do you try to do it two or three days a week or do you try to do it? What is your type, kind of typical schedule from that perspective? About four, four days a week, but try to do, three, you know, minimum three. Mm-hmm. And again, you know, if you don't have time and I, I work with a lot of clients on, on this work-life balance. It's you know, do, do it for if you want to make sure you're starting to read more books and then you don't have time you know, read one page <laughs> and you yes. know, you're doing it. Um, if you don't have time to exercise, you know, do a hundred, no, do hundred, okay, fifty uh, sit ups, you know, or whatever it is, and um, and, and then you feel like oh, I at least did something in that direction. But I'd say minimum like you know, just do ten minutes of yeah. anything. Yeah, usually you can work that in. Yeah, I love I love that insight. It's, you know, I'm a big believer, you know, if you want to be a great leader, you have to be a great reader. That's a Zig Ziglar quote. And, and I, I think that, um, you know, it's interesting, if you just read 10 pages a day, just 10, you could read a 200 page book in roughly three weeks. And, and then even if you took a week off, that's 12 books a year, that is basically, you know, most people only read a book or two a year. 
And then that forget about it. They're only reading the first chapter, which I'm kind of curious how many people say they truly read and don't read things. That That's a whole different part. Because I'm one of these people, I feel like when I open a book, I have to read it all. There's only been like one or two that I've never not finished. And, um, but, you know, that, that those are the choices. But it, it's, I think that's great, you know, starting small and then trying to get incrementally better so that you can develop that habit. Yeah. Right? I, of, I, of, yeah. Yeah. I'm going to do that, by the way, girl. What's yeah. that? I just committed to you 10 pages a day. I can do that. 10 pages. It's amazing. Just 10 pages, you know, and and, um, and it's interesting because I'm a big audio book person. So that is how I do most of my consumption of of books. But I will do the the reading. And and my wife always makes fun of me. She says I'm not actually, you know, reading. But good. (laughs) Fortunately, the data has validated that you can still um, discern as much listening as okay. visual, but there's sometimes I'll also often I'll buy the book as well because there are visuals if that are in there that really help me to uh, learn it, you know, and help develop a little bit more. But yeah, so yeah. I, I definitely do both. Um, and, and then you end up and even that's pretty easy. Even just a small commute, you can pick up. That's what, probably one of the, the toughest things about those who've been working from home. And if they had a commute and they they've lost that audiobook time, if they were doing that, right, from the driving back and forth. I used to have a longer commute, and, I, and it, for a really short period of time, I was missing it mm-hmm. because I, it was like a 40-minute drive, 35-minute drive, and I was getting so many books done through that process back and forth. Um, but anyways. And podcasts, uh, and podcasts like yours, you know? Yeah, yeah, exactly. That's that's ability to be able to squeeze in, right? Squeeze in and learn a little bit. Get So, all right, so one of my final questions I'd like to ask is what is – either a current book or one of your favorite books that you like to recommend to our audience? As you know, there's so many incredible books out there. It's hard to choose, but Brene Brown is, you know, she connects, I connect with her because of courage. And one book is daring. It's um, dare to lead is her book. And that was one of the first books that I read. It's Mm. a great book. It's a great foundation for being, you know, brave and courageous and being a leader. So that's, that's my shout out to her. It's a great book. Awesome. I will, uh, that is noted. And in a, in a few weeks, uh, we'll post that on, on LinkedIn and share with everybody your recommendation as well. I think that Brene Brown is an incredible author in person and, and that is a great book. So I think that's an, an excellent um, recommendation. Terry, how can people learn more about you? Where, the, where can they find you? They can find me on my website, Terry Sidford, and that's T-E-R-R-Y, Sidford, S-I-D-F-O-R-D.com. And any of the social media outlets, I'm there, Terry Sidford. And also I have a Facebook group called Choose Courage Movement. So please join our group. I have a lot of interviews and on that, on courage interviews there. And also I'm posting a lot of different interviews on YouTube and different information. So that's how you can find me. And thank you so much, Carl. For having me today. Terry, it's been a pleasure. I'm glad we've, we were finally able to make the opportunity to have you uh, come on board. And it truly, uh, you have a wonderful story and, and you have, do inspire courage to, other, to others. And so I thank you for sharing that. And I love the tips that you provided. And uh, so thank you so very much for that. So um, to all the audience, I really appreciate you who, uh, who have been a part of our Measure Success podcast, and we're wishing you the very best at measuring your success. Have a great day. Thanks for listening to the Measure Success podcast. We'll see you again next time to learn from the best. Remember to subscribe now to get future episodes.